We have been looking at the book of Proverbs together, but I'd like to have you turn with me to James chapter 3 for a moment, please. You realize, of course, the uh, epistle uh, James, the writer James, was the first of the New Testament books written. And James is coming right out of an Old Testament theology. Uh, they're not too many years into the New Testament with the coming of the Holy Spirit. And James has been dealing with Jews in Jerusalem particularly. He is the uh, half-brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he is writing to Jews who are filled with Old Testament theology. That's why when you read through the book of James, the Spirit of God is missing out of that necessarily. Not, uh, not completely, obviously, because James is writing through the power of the Spirit, but uh, walking in the power of the Spirit is not necessarily mentioned through the book of James. Why is that? Well, this is something new to these believers. This is something that's, uh, that's uh, brand new in their Old Testament theology. So James is writing, and what I want to pick it up is in chapter 3. And the reason we're reading chapter 3 is the next section we want to look at in the book of Proverbs is the words of our mouth, the words of our mouth, speech, what God says about the words that come out of our mouth. And James uh, lets us know, as New Testament Christians, that um, we need to be careful what we say, when we say it, and how we say it. We need to be careful what we say, when we say it, and how we say it. And he want, he's, there's a warning here that I think all of us need to listen to. If you can speak tonight, you need to listen to these passages of Scripture. Okay? We're in James chapter 3 and verse 1. My brethren... Stop, literally, stop being many teachers, knowing that we who teach shall receive the greater judgment. So there's a warning here. If you're a teacher, words come out of your mouth. And they had many teachers in those days, and you've, you have met them. Everyone, uh, everyone who is a proud, boastful person thinks they're a teacher. They're going to let you know. And uh, James is warning the group that's in Jerusalem be careful. Stop being those many teachers. Why? Teachers are going to receive the greater judgment for what they teach, obviously. For in many things we all stumble. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfectly mature man and able to bridle his whole body. The answer to that is, of course not. Of course not. Uh, there's no perfect men among us. Uh, and this is an interesting statement because... Can you just imagine this now? James, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus, grew up with him for 30 years. Jesus never, ever, ever once said anything wrong. I wonder if James did. Can you imagine growing up with a brother like that? I'm thankful I didn't grow up with brothers like that. As a matter of fact, I'm a brother just like that. <laughs> but... Be careful, picking it up in verse 3. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. If you've ever ridden a horse, you know they put that metal clip inside of their jaws, behind their teeth, and if you pull, it hurts the horse, so he'll turn in the direction. After a while, you don't even have to touch the reins anymore. He knows which way to go. It's, we're able to stop, able to stop a horse with just a bit. Verse uh, 
4, Behold also the ships, which they are so great and are driven by fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, wherever the pilot willeth. Uh, ships that uh, up till just recently had giant rudders. Today, they, the newer ships don't have rudders. They have these fan-based things that direct the ship. Um, but uh, when uh, the ships had rudders, you'd see this massive, massive floating vehicle, and um, behind it would be something that was twinsy, comparing and would moving this very large ship. Even so, the tongue is a little member that boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is like a match. A match, when controlled, does great things. It can heat, it can warm, it can cook for us. Out of control, it burn your building down. And this is the warning. Behold, what, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. A tongue out of control just does damage. It does nothing else. And how can you control the tongue? Well, as New Testament Christians, we know it needs to be a spirit-controlled tongue. The Spirit of God needs to be controlling my heart, my mind, my thought processes, and then my tongue will say that which is right. In verse 7, Every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. <coughs> Excuse me, it is unruly evil, full of deadly poisons. And therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men who are made after the similitude of God. <coughs> Excuse me. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a fountain send forth the same place sweet water and bitter? Of course not. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? No. So can no fountain yield both salt water and fresh. So he's letting us know that you're either, when you speak, you're either walking in the power of the Spirit of God that is controlling your mouth, or you're not. Or you're not. That's all there is to it. And for a Christian, there's no middle ground. You're not a little bit spiritual or, or, or not so much fleshly. You're either one or the other. And what comes out of your mouth can cause great, great damage, or we're going to see in just a few moments, can produce some real blessings in the hearts of people. Some real blessings. Now, we're also going to look at phony words. Some people can come up with some phony words, but God knows the heart. And so we want to spend some time, and why did I read James? Because we're going to see James all the way through the book of Proverbs as far as the tongue is concerned. Uh, I also want you to begin, as you're going through perhaps a second time or third time, if you're really spiritual, going through another time, uh, look for a passage of Scripture. Look for um, one of the Proverbs that, you partic that particularly speaks to you, not about you. Okay, I don't want to hear about that. But one that speaks particularly to you. And we can share those together the night of the 17th, and then uh, the following Sunday night we'll have... Uh, Great fellowship together. So uh, we're, we want to look now at the words of our mouth. First of all, turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And then we'll go right to the Proverbs. But in Luke chapter 6, 
our Lord Jesus is speaking, and we looked at this concerning the heart. Remember, the heart is the thought processes, the emotions, the intellect, the will. And the Lord Jesus let us know that out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks, and we're in Luke chapter 6, and look at verse 45. Luke 6, 45. This is such an interesting section but particularly good men out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Now we're going to keep that in mind as we go to Proverbs now. Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So what's coming out of you is what's inside of you. You've, you've done it. I've done it. I don't know why I said that. It's because that's what you were thinking. I didn't mean to say that. Yes, you did. Or you wouldn't have said it. That's scary, isn't it? It's true. It's true. And we're talking about hurtful things, cutting things, wicked things sometimes. So we want to look at what God says about our speech, but recognize it's a result of the heart. It's a result of the heart. Okay, turn with me now to the book of Proverbs, please, in chapter 10. The Pro book of Proverbs, chapter 10. And in Proverbs, chapter 10, we want to look at words of encouragement concerning good speech, and then we'll look at the contrast of that. But remember, we want uh, to always, as New Testament Christians, to, uh, to have Paul's message to Titus, Paul's letter to Titus. He said to uh, Titus, make sure that uh, you, in your speech, give forth sound speech that cannot be condemned. Remember he told the Colossians, let your speech be always with grace, then what? Seasoned with salt. Words of edification. Don't let corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, he told the church at Ephesus. But that which is for the use of edifying. So we want, as New Testament Christians, to have controlled speech. What we say really does matter. As a matter of fact, it matters so much that one over 150 times our speech is mentioned in the book of Proverbs. Over 150 times. God's pretty serious about speech, isn't he? Pretty serious. Okay, so let's look, if we can, Proverbs 10. Look at verses 20 and 21 of Proverbs chapter 10. 20 and 21. The tongue of the just is like choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. Isn't that interesting? The, the, the tongue of the just, like choice silver, out of it comes great things that are helpful, that build up, that refresh, that edify, that really give grace to those that they speak. But the heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. See, we, we want to hear from people that are righteous. Why? They feed many. We're not talking about physical food here necessarily, but of course that could be part of it. This is talking about feeding the soul of those, listening to a righteous person. If, he has, if he's a righteous person and he's speaking the truth, that builds us up, that edifies us. 
It's like choice silver. Turn with me to Proverbs 15 and verse 26. Proverbs 15 and verse 26. We all know this one very well. This is a beautiful, beautiful statement in Proverbs 15, 26. Notice, the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. Pure in heart, pleasant words. Now we've all, you know, I'm already starting to fall into conviction, aren't you? We've all spoken words that are unpleasant. And what do you do about it? You get it straightened out. Get it straightened out with the Lord, with the one you barked at, and get it straightened out with the one that you need to confess your sin to. Straighten it out with the one you've said something wicked to. I'm sorry. And, and one of the most weaselly things you can say, I didn't mean to say that. No, I'm sorry I said that. It was a wrong thing to say. That's why James tells us, does he not, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Get it straightened out. Get it straightened out. Why? Because uh, pure words are pleasant. Ungodly words, as we'll see, are cutting and wicked we're in Proverbs. Go back with me to chapter 10 again, if you would, for a moment. I'm sorry, we're in Proverbs 15. Look at verse 1. Proverbs 15, 1. One of my sons was a summer police officer up in Maine uh, for the summer months, and he went through police training up there for a few weeks. And he told me that the sergeant who did the police training said when they came up upon someone who was... Uh, who was belligerent, who was out of control of something, always speak very softly. And then my son told me, the police officer said, a soft answer turns away wrath. Now, I don't, the guy wasn't a Christian. He proved it a little later on when he was talking to the cadets there. But um, that's a biblical principle, is it not? Look, please, if you would. Proverbs 15 and verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Is that not true? Of course it is. The way you speak to someone, a soft answer turns away wrath. If you speak belligerently to someone, they'll respond in kind. If you, as a Christian, uh, have someone coming at you with belligerent words, with angry words, Try to maintain, through the power of the Spirit of God, obviously, and you can, try to maintain words that will break the bone, the Scriptures tell us. Look at verse 2. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools pour out foolishness. So don't keep on going and going and going. Let it go. Soft answer will turn away wrath. Uh, make sure that you use knowledge aright. Be careful. Be careful in how you answer uh, someone. Verse 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Verse 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therewith is a breach in spirit. Notice, wholesome words, uh, a, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. God wants us to make sure we're keeping our words in check. Our words in check. Be careful with what we 
us say. Look at Proverbs 25 for a moment, please. Proverbs 25. I can hear some of you saying, I, I remember reading that. I, I remember thinking about that as I read through that. When Proverbs chapter 25, look at verse 15 for a minute. By long forbearing is the prince persuaded, and a soft tongue breaketh the bone. Isn't that great? doesn't mean you snap their legs. That's not what it's talking about. The reference here has to do with breaking down the hardness in someone. Breaking down the hardness of someone. Just by a soft answer. The world is filled with cruel, hard, vile speech today. It's filled with it. It's filled with it. And you and I know better. We know the difference. And we want to make sure that we are people of speech that cannot be condemned. Speech that's seasoned with salt. Listen, we can respond in kind, can't we? Have you ever been dressed down by someone? Have you ever done that? Believe me, I am capable of responding that way. That was my life. But God says, no, no. You're supposed to speak now by the Spirit, and through the Spirit, and in the Spirit. And God says His Word will work. His Word will work. Let's look at a couple more quickly, please. Um, Proverbs chapter 10. Go with, back with me to Proverbs chapter 10. Wise words, sound words, uh, soft words, godly words. We're in Proverbs chapter 10. Look at verses 31 and 32, please. Proverbs 10, the mouth of the just brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue shall be cut out. Some people better hope that that's not a literal statement there, wouldn't you say? You know, sometimes you say something and people can come at you for what you said, and, you know, um, and there's, there's a thought out there, and I, I'll mess it all up, but uh, here's what I think I said. Here's what you think I said, you know, that type of thing. And some people come at you full force for something you said that they either misunderstood or maybe you even misspoke. But instead of straightening it out nicely, they'll come at you with perverseness, just, you know, bowling ball right into you. And, and sometimes these things are very, very hard to defend. Sometimes you need to go back on the CD and figure out just exactly what you did say to stir up people like that. And, and we've had it, uh, we've experienced that, all of us have. It's not what you said, it's what you didn't say. What? You know, now what do I do? What do you do about that? You don't know how to come across with that. You don't know how to defend that. Um, that's not what I was thinking, but that's what you said. No, I wasn't thinking in that direction. And someone who's perverse is always going to think and twist and turn something that you say. So we need to carry on. Look, please, in verse 32. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh perverseness. We want to make sure that we're speaking that which is acceptable, a righteous, that which is Christ-like. All our words, all our thoughts need to be filtered through the Word of God. I have never, ever got in trouble when I filtered my words through the Word of God. I always get in trouble when I don't. 
I always get in trouble. When I'm filtering my words through the word of God, remember, please, we're talking about if it's not based upon spiritual ethics, if, if, it's, uh, if it's contrary to God's word, it's wrong. Don't say it. If the Spirit of God says to you, it's time to be quiet before you say something, don't say it. Have you ever had that happen? Now, you don't hear, a, you know, you don't hear an audible voice, but you're thinking of saying something to someone, and, and deep down inside your, your thinking, the Spirit says, you ought not to say that. And then you do. And then it takes you several months to fix it if you ever can. If you ever can. Why? Because we can hurt people with our words. Look with me, Proverbs 15 and verse 7 again, please. Proverbs 15 and 7. We want to be careful with our speech. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 7. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doth not so. Wise lips will give out knowledge, will help people, increase people, in their spiritual life, but the heart of the fool, he's not going to do that. Look at 18 in verse 4, please. 18.4. The words of a man's mouth are like deep waters, and the wellspring of wisdom like a flowing brook. Remember, we're talking about an arid, dry land here. We're talking about a place that there was very, very little water, and they came upon a, a, any type of surface water, it was usually polluted, condemned, it, or it was hot. I, I took my family to California uh, back uh, several years ago, it was longer than that. Amy was just graduating from high school, so we went to California and uh, tried to get her away from Pastor Rob, didn't work, we, he was still here when we got back. Just kidding, just kidding about that. I should have thought before I said that, right? <laughs> No, but we decided she'd be going away to college, so we're gonna, we took a month vacation from here. I saved up my time, and we went to California. We were going across country. It was the summer, and I remember we got into Texas, and we had an air-conditioned van, but it was so hot in there. There was five of us. It was hot and all this business, and we rented a, a, a place at a hotel. We figured, oh, we're just going to get a chance to enjoy ourselves and go and we jumped in the pool and it was hotter than bath water it was disgusting this right is talking about when you hear pure words from a righteous man it's like that refreshing drink of water it's like jumping into a nice cool uh, swimming pool instead of something that's hot like bath water it's refreshing to the soul. The words of a man's mouth are like deep waters and the wellspring of wisdom like the flowing brook. Just a beautiful, beautiful brook. I had a missionary friend uh, that he came to this church way, way back. He was a missionary in um, South America, Roger Bailey in South America, and he, was, uh, he lived in Maine. And he said, you know, uh, other missionaries, they complain about, you know, they miss their air mattress, they miss their bed, they miss their ice cream. He said, you know what I miss? A cold drink of water. He couldn't get cold water in South America like he could in Maine. And that's what this is talking about, something refreshing. 
the words of a man's mouth can be refreshing or they can be cutting. It depends on what? The heart. Depends on the heart. A little bit further, if we could, uh, back to chapter 10 and verse 21. We saw this, but look at it again, please. 10.21, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for a lack of wisdom. So again, we, we want to make sure when we're coming across, we want not human wisdom, not my philosophy, my thinking, my psychology, but God's word. What does God say about this? How can I build someone up with what God says, not necessarily what I say? We want to have those pleasant words. Turn with me to 16, please. Chapter 16. You're right there. Pleasant words. Look at verse uh, 23. 23 and 24. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. The heart of the wise will teach his mouth. If you have someone that just keeps saying ridiculous things over and over again, what's wrong there? He's not wise. He's not teaching his mouth. He's not under control. Uh, we won't turn there, but the, the scriptures warn us about a man who can't control his own spirit. There's something wrong there, something seriously wrong. Maybe he's not a Christian at all. Maybe they don't belong to the Lord at all. Look at verse 24. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Pleasant words, like a honeycomb. They didn't have a great deal of sweet things in those days, so when they came across honey, of course, it was a very precious, precious thing. Sweetness, delicious. You know, of course, honey is a wonderful, wonderful thing, and that these pleasant words are like that. We're interested in chapter 12 and 25. 12, 25. Heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it to stoop, but good words make it glad. We would call that encouragement, wouldn't we? You meet someone in there, heaviness. What happened? Who knows? Someone might have said something or they've been through something. And what are we to do? We're to have good words that make that person glad. Build them up. Try to encourage them even in their, um, in their heaviness. The heaviness in the heart of man makes it stoop. But good words make it glad. And that's what we want. We want that gift of encouragement to encourage one another. Conversely to that, however, look at chapter 12 and verse 6. Chapter 12 and verse 6. The words of the wicked are to lie and wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. The words of the wicked, it's like lying and wait for blood. The words of the wicked are going to come back on them, destroy them one day. But you and I, the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. We want, we want to be delivered from, from the harm that can come from vile or, or wrong speech. 1627 for a moment, please. An ungodly man digs up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. An ungodly person can't wait to find things wrong. They dig up, the term used here, dig up evil. And in his lips, they can't wait to speak that evil. They can't. Have you ever met a gossip? I mean, occasionally we all enter into that. And God forgive us for that, and we need to get it made right. But have you ever met someone who can't wait to gossip? 
they destroy people's lives. They just don't shut up. I know you're not supposed to say shut up. But you, you get them. They just can't. Why? Because they can't wait to another juicy tidbit, another thing to spread evil. Well, that's this person here. You, you, get, you get the idea? We, we need to be very careful with our speech. Do you fall into any of these categories? You say, well, I'm always nice. Great for you. You're also dead. No. <laughs> God's warning us about our tongue, how we speak, to be careful. You know, it's just in me. It's, that's my culture. I blow up, and that's all there is to it. Oh, yeah, you're beautiful. Yeah. No, no. That's your flesh. That's your flesh. That's all it is. It doesn't, I don't care where you come from. You can keep your mouth closed. If, if you're a born-again believer, you can fall under the control of the Holy Spirit. If you don't, that's your flesh. And it's no different than an Irishman's flesh or an Italian's flesh or a Polish flesh. There's no flesh that's different from one another. It's all evil. In me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. Okay, we want to look at some soft answers if we can, please. Turn with me to Proverbs 15 and verse 23. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. Proverbs 15, 23. And a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Have you ever been encouraged by someone? They come over and they just encourage you. We're not talking about with physical things, here's a thousand bucks. Oh, I'm encouraged, you know. That's not, we're not talking about, we're talking about just encouraging you. It's not, you weren't looking for gratitude, you weren't looking for praise, but they come over and they just say something that's encouraging. How good that is. So great. Conversely, people come and they say something and it just kind of throws your mind in a circle and you just get discouraged. Well, we want to be those people who have good words, who have encouraging words. Look at 25 and verse 11 for a moment, please. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. It just means they stand out. You have this picture of silver and you have these golden apples in there. They stand out. They rise from the surface. And what are those? Those are words fitly spoken. Anyone can condemn you. It doesn't take much, does it? Anyone can get you upset. It doesn't take much to do that. Anyone can say something discouraging. You don't even have to study to do that. But when you say something that's, that builds up a person, uh, it's such an encouragement to do that. We want to make sure that we are encouraging people. Look at verse 23, same chapter. The north wind driveth away rain. So does an angry countenance and a back-biting tongue. Someone with a, as, as, as a wind will drive away rain. So, notice in verse 23, the north wind driveth away rain. So doth an angry countenance and a back-biting tongue. You, it does damage. It's not refreshing. It does nothing but bring sorrow and heartache uh, to people. A little bit further with that, please. We Head back with me to chapter 17 and verse 9. And again, this is conversely on the other side of that, Proverbs 17. 
This is talking about repeating something. This is dangerous, is it not? I'm sure we've all done it from one time to another, or another. Someone has said something to us, and we repeated it to someone else. You've, you've made a terrible mistake, a terrible mistake. That means you can't be trusted, right? And it takes a long time to get that back. And that's what we're interested in here, is being very, very careful. Proverbs 17 and verse 9. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth the matter separates friends. Well, we need to be careful. And you know, you don't necessarily have to repeat what the person said. You can go to someone and say, you know, I know someone who said this or that or did this or that. And just by association, I know who you're talking about. Because I know the people you know. You know the people I know. And sometimes we can give away who it was and what they said just by simply looking at the whole thing, the whole picture together. We want to be extra careful. If someone says something to you, keep it to yourself. Now, there's always exceptions to every rule, right? If someone's going to be hurt or someone is involved in gross sin and it needs to be brought to the elders of the church, then we need to hear that, no question. But if someone just shares their heart with you and you repeat it to others, they can't trust you anymore. And you can separate some chief friendships here. So there's a warning. Be careful. Look at 18.8. 18.8, please. The wounds, the words of a talebearer, in Proverbs 18.8, the words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts. A talebearer, someone's repeating something there. It's like a wound and it drives down deep within the person's soul. You've wounded them terribly, and it will separate some real friendships. Now, there are rewards for speech. We need to be careful. There's rewards for, we need to be careful what we say, but when we're speaking for the Lord and honoring the Lord, God blesses that, and there will be rewards for speech. Turn with me to chapter 12 and verse 14. 12 and verse 14, a man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands shall be rendered unto him. Notice, a man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. So saying the right things and doing the right things are rewarding. God will honor that. You say, well, I said the right thing, and I people don't like me. That God will reward you. People may not necessarily like what you said, but as long as you're speaking God's word, he'll take care of that. Making sure that we're saying the right thing at the right time, seasoned with salt. There's a way to say something, and there's a way not to say it, right? You can come across harshly and bitterly and coldly, and, and, and I realize sometimes I do that, I, and I fight with that all the time. Uh, make sure your speech is seasoned with salt. Make sure it's palatable, uh, palatable for people rather than harsh words. Uh, rewarding words. Look at 13 and verse 2 for a moment, please. 13.2. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth. The, the, the repayment of his mouth. Be careful what you say. 
God will bless if you're saying the right things, and he will judge if you're saying the wrong things. Look at 16.13 for a moment, please. 16.13. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and they love him that speaketh right. You see, you appreciate it when you're saying the right thing. You say, well, not with the people I'm around. Then go around other people. Saying the right things will, are, will encourage people. It will, uh, and people are encouraged around you. Uh, you don't want someone being your spokesman who is a harsh, crass person. We just don't want that. We want someone who is righteous. And so the kings love them that has a right speech. We're not talking about, uh, you know, eloquent in the English language. We're talking about someone who is not crass and, and hurtful uh, when they speak. So God will, in fact, reward good speech. Look, look at 1820. Same thing, please, 1820. A man's belly will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. It, it's not, it's the gaining of spiritual weight by the, by the uh, fruit of your mouth, but God blessing you, you being blessed by God. Why? Because you're, uh, you have correct speech. We want to all make sure that we have correct speech. Now, conversely, this speech that cuts, that hurts, and we've seen a few, but let's look at a couple more if we can. Turn with me to chapter 26, please. Chapter 26. This whole end section of chapter 26 is about this speech that's cutting and that's hurtful. We're in chapter 26. Look with me, please, at verse 20. 26, 20. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So, where there is no tail-bearer, the strife ceases. Isn't that great? You, you, what an analogy. You know what it's like. If you don't put wood on a fire, it's going to go out, right? If you just be quiet about something, people would stop being upset. But no. Some people, they got to go on. They just keep it going. Keep it going. Well, God tells us, stop. It's enough. It's enough. Look a little further, if you would, please. We're going right down uh, to the end of this chapter here. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. He just keeps on going. The words are of a talebearer are like wounds. They go down into the innermost parts. We read that, something similar to that before. Verse 26, burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. It's cutting. It, you know, the person, they look like a nice person. They, they even sound like a nice person until they start to speak. And then out comes just this foolish cuttingness and uh, horrible, horrible words. Verse uh, 24, he that hates disassembleth with his lips and lays up deceit within him. When he speaks pleasantly, believe him not. For there are seven abominations in this heart. You ever meet someone and you know what they're like, and all of a sudden they start saying good things? Uh-oh, this guy has an agenda. This guy has an agenda. When someone who's always crass, always vile, always saying the wrong things, and all of a sudden they start saying the right things to you, whoa, 
Something going on here. You say, well, he got gloriously born again. Yeah, but maybe there's seven abominations in his heart, and he's thinking of something evil to do to you later. Be very, very careful, please. Keep on going down, if you would, a little bit, please. Verse 26. He whose hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness shall be revealed before the whole congregation. And we'll stop right there. Recognizing out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And God's saying, this person has a wicked heart. You need to be careful of him. You need to stay away from him. And if it's you, you need to straighten it out. If that's the way you talk, straighten it out. Why? It's not what you're supposed to be doing. And we'll all confess this. I mean, if we were honest and true with one another, every once in a while we all fall into some of these categories. You know, and you say, well, I didn't mean it. Yes, you did. That's what the problem is. That's, you're walking in the power of the flesh, not the spirit. Get it made right. Put off the old man. Put on the new. It's what Paul telling the church at Ephesus, you used to steal, then don't steal anymore. Work with your hands and provide for those who have need. You get the contrast? You used to rip people off, why, for your own good. Now you're to work and give them the stuff. See, Make sure you, it's a change of direction. This is what you used to be like. You shouldn't be like that anymore. Good words will accomplish much through godly speech. They accomplish much. I want us to see a couple of passages, one in particular here. Turn with me to chapter 16 and verse 1. Good words accomplish much. Notice in chapter 16 and verse 1, the preparation of the heart belongs to man. That is, the pl man, man plans things, planning, thinking through. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. If you're someone who has, has spiritual weight behind you, a deep spiritual well, and you're encouraging someone who's heading in a direction perhaps, your, your words may turn that whole thing around. So they were headed in the wrong direction and you helped them to head back in the right direction. Or perhaps there was something askew there, and you, by your pleasant words, by your uh, wonderful words from, uh, from the Word of God, encourage someone to go in that right direction. And that's what we want. Look at, uh, look at verse 10, same book, verse 10. A divine sentence is in the lips of the king. His mouth transgresseth not in judgment. We're talking about a godly king here. A divine sentence is in, his li in the lips of a king. His mouth does not transgress in judgment. A wise king, that's what Solomon's getting across. He's supposed to be a wise king. He's supposed to be a godly king. And what is he supposed to do? Give forth wise judgment. And it won't transgress God's word. And that's what God wants from us, to be the same uh, type of person. Of course, conversely, we can do much damage. Now, what does God want us to be? He wants us to be wise in speech so we can be wise in counsel. Why? Because everyone needs counsel from time to time. Everyone needs to go uh, to a counsel from time. I'm not talking about a marriage counsel, although there may be a time when that needs to happen. But when you, when you start thinking something and you start running it around your own mind, it's good, it's healthy, it's right to go to a godly person and ask them, what do you think? Uh, and you want to make sure you go, go into someone first who isn't going to repeat the matter, right? Because if you're out to lunch and you're thinking, you want to make sure that he's not going to repeat that to someone. You want to go to someone who has some spiritual depth to them as well. 
you might be going to someone who, who is not necessarily a Christian, but they know about this particular thing, this particular object, this particular plan or something. But we want to go to someone who has wisdom, particularly if you can find a Christian who has both. Like I, we've talked about this before, if, if something is seriously wrong with me physically, I want to go to the best doctor I can find, whether he's a Christian or not. The best doctor I can find. Now the best thing would be if he was the best doctor that was a Christian. That would be the best thing. So when we have a, something that we're mulling over in our brain, we need to go for counsel. And who do we go to? I want to go to someone who has wise words from a wise heart because he has a deep relationship with Christ. Let's look at some passages just on this counseling. Could we do that together, please? Uh, first of all, turn with me to 15.7, Proverbs 15.7. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish does not so. So we want to go to a wise person who's going to uh, disperse knowledge. Look at 15.22, please. <clears throat> Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. A multitude of counselors. That's why God tells uh, a pastor of a church to establish elders in his church, a plurality of elders, more than one elder. Why? So that you can put your minds together with the scriptures, to, to think through things and to say things. Often when men meet together and we're talking about the things of the Lord, someone will say something, it will trigger something else, it will trigger something else, and the mind of the Lord becomes present with us as we're thinking through things. We want to make sure we have a multitude of counselors. Again, you're not looking for someone who agrees with you necessarily, but someone who has a spiritual head on their shoulders, a, a wise counselor. Look back with me to chapter 11 and verse 14. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So I'm looking for a wise person with wise speech. How can I tell if he's a wise person? It's by what he says. By what he says. This guy's on the ball. When I hear from him, when, he, when I talk to him, this guy really comes up with some solid meat. And I've talked too long, and there's something in the scriptures about that. And I've got to stop here, so let's, let's quit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace and your wisdom. Help us, Father, to make sure that we're using wise words to establish uh, our path before you. Lord, help us not to be those that are cutting and biting, but rather that those that are Christ-like in all our attitude. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.